You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions. Shore Leave, Episode 35. Just what the doctor ordered. Right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. This is an episode of Shore Leave I wish we didn't have to record. Here on Shore Leave and at the Tricorder Transmissions Network, we make a point to focus on the positive aspects of Star Trek fandom. Unfortunately, there are some shades of gray that aren't positive, but do deserve our attention. Tonight, we're taking a step away from the convention halls into the dark alleyway that is dealing with and confronting harassment in fan spaces. While we've discussed the subject of harassment previously in our cosplay episode, tonight we're going to delve in a bit deeper into how harassment affects us online which is, of course, the one way we all stay connected through the year. I do want to warn our listeners that this episode may have triggering content involving experiences of abuse, so please take that into consideration before listening. Finally, although our discussion will include elements of confronting harassment in convention spaces, our primary goal is to focus on what happens via social media during the time we spend apart. For a discussion concerning harassment at conventions, especially that of cosplayers and the Cosplay is Not Consent campaign, please listen to Shore Leave number 8, Cosplay 2016. I'm Heather Barker, your host. With me, as always, my Shore Leave co-host, Jeff Hewlett. How are you doing tonight, Jeff? Doing okay, Heather. How are you? I'm doing okay. We're just going to talk about a pretty serious subject yes, tonight, yeah. and I'm I'm a little nervous to approach it. Um, this is something that both you and I have discussed at length yeah. previously, especially as we've got to know each other and share our experiences mm-hmm. over the last few years. And unfortunately, a lot of our listeners have reached out and asked if we would tackle this subject. So we are here to do that tonight. And with us, we have a couple really wonderful guest that I am so pleased to have on the show. Our first guest is Kenna, who you guys all should know from Priority One podcast over on the Roddenberry Network. Kenna, thank you so much for adding your voice to this discussion. Oh, Heather, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm I'm, I'm really, well, looking forward to this discussion is not probably the correct term, but I am kind of looking forward to kind of getting into the details of it with some people with a bit uh, different perspectives and and seeing what we can tease out of it. Yeah, I I just I I'm glad that uh, you agreed to come on. I respect you so much. You have a great voice, and I'm hoping that <laughs> sorry you're way too nice. You're way too nice. <laughs> no, I'm not. I it's important to me um, that as podcasters, you know, we we have a voice that other people don't, and. Mm. Um, anytime that someone is willing to step up to the plate and talk about these issues, uh, I just, I'm, I'm so impressed and respectful and grateful of anyone to do that. So that compliment also goes to our next guest, who is Tristan Riddell from the Nerd Party Network. Uh, Tristan has been a, a great voice against harassment on Twitter. So Tristan, thank you so much for coming on. We're very happy to have you here. Well, thank you so much, guys, for having me on. I, I, we've been talking about this idea, this concept for this show for a while now. So I'm just really glad that I am I'm, have this avenue to talk about it and uh, with such great podcasters. So thanks again. Well, thank you. 
yeah, we're, I'm just very happy to have everyone here. And uh, again, I apologize in advance. I'm, this is a heavy subject. And with that comes some pressure. Uh, so I am a little bit nervous going into it. And uh, I'm, you know, all of us might be, but we, I hope that at the end of this, um, we, we do justice to this topic. So leading into this discussion, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, all of us are podcasters. We've all been podcasting for, I think, a few years at least. Uh, with with that, um, I we also all have an online presence. And because of that visibility, we tend to experience, I don't want to say a maybe amplified level of harassment. Um, overall, harassment on social media is, you know, a worldwide issue. <laughs> it's something that has um, increased in visibility, uh, especially in the last few years. And I wanted to talk about how it affects us. Um, Tristan, you've had some experience, I think, with your question of the day over at the Nerd Party Twitter. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened? Well, actually, it wasn't with the Nerd Party Twitter. This was years ago before the Nerd Party even existed uh, when I was um, exclusively with Trek.fm. Uh, even though this this wasn't a part of Trek.fm, uh, it was when I was on to the journey. And uh, I, on my personal account, at The Insane Robin, uh, which is all me, just me, no affiliation to any entity other than myself, uh, I would do a thing called a Star Trek question of the day. Very simple, very easy to get behind. It was just one simple question. Sometimes it's multiple choice. Sometimes it's just fill in the blank. And uh, even though it was just a, a straight shot and really simple, it for some reason just caught on. It was, uh, it, it kind of came about because I had so much downtime at work at the time. Like I was half video editor, half graphic designer. So it was a lot of hurry, hurry up and wait. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just try doing this. And and uh, a lot of a lot of people met a lot of uh, Star Trek fellow Star Trek fans through it. Like they would track a hashtag, and then they would uh, they would chime in whenever they wanted to. Sometimes it would just be one word answers. Sometimes people would send like fifteen tweets uh, explaining their answer, which was awesome. And I've had people uh, meet new friends. I've, I've literally had a husband and wife meet through hmm. my Star Trek question of the day <laughs> and a baby was born because of it. And, uh, wow. I, I definitely, that's, I, I love, I love telling that story. And, uh, and so, and that's kind of how I gained a lot of followers was just, I hosted this and I tried to do it at around the same time of day. Uh, but I had very, I had very, very simple rules. It was, uh, be nice to one another. Like that's, that's pretty much was my one rule. It was, uh, it was answer the question best you like within the lines, best you can and be nice to one another. And, uh, there was more than a couple of times that, uh, people would kind of track the hashtag and then find somebody that they didn't agree with and then just berate their choice. And yeah. it's fine to disagree. It's fine to like it, like if I asked a a like if I asked a question like uh, who is your favorite person uh, on Star Trek Enterprise you know like some people would say Archer and then certain people would go like Archer was the worst captain of all time like they wouldn't just say it to me they would say it to that person who said it mm -hmm. and and then 
like that is in itself is not entirely egregious. I mean, it's it's jerky, but there was a couple of people who would just that's all that they would do. They wouldn't even answer. They would just berate other people. Yeah. And I didn't I even told them I said it was like, listen, like you can be as mean as you want to me, but don't be mean to the people answering the question. And it was uh, it got to the point where I had to tell people, listen, you're going to get blocked. If you get blocked from me, then you can't track the hashtag that we use and you can't answer. And I would block a few people. And this was this was way back in the day when blocking people on Twitter uh, meant almost nothing. It was <laughs> like, do you do you guys remember this? Like back in 2010 it was you block someone and it just meant they couldn't follow you, but yep. they could still message yeah. you. Yeah. They could still see all your tweets. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could log out and you'd still just be able to see everything. Yeah. I, I think it was even worse than that. Like it was, it was insane. It was, a, uh, and so, uh, almost uh, like I'd say, uh, nine times out of 10, whenever I block someone, it would of course make them angry because they felt like they were just expressing their opinion yeah. even though they were being a jerk to other people. And uh, I had a few people who just wouldn't leave me alone. Like I had some people who uh, like just in, started calling me names, tried to find out what my email was and email me there. They would follow me on other social networks just to berate me there. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was pretty crazy how this one thing, the the Star Trek question of the day, like all of my followers, not all of my followers, but my my followers who participated in it loved it. But because it was an open hashtag, it kind of brought in the crazies. It, it was it, it mm. brought in people outside of your circle. And right. sometimes that's great. Most of the time, that's great. Uh, yeah. But other times it's I feel like when people are tracking a hashtag, there are certain times when they're just looking to start trouble. Again, I'm not saying that that's the norm or that's uh, exclusive, but I think sometimes that's the case. And uh, and that was probably the the biggest the 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 biggest thing was with the Star Trek question of the day. Now I could go on and on about crazy stuff like uh, because like uh, and but I don't want to talk forever. I mean, Heather, you you mentioned uh, visibility. You know, the show that I was on to the journey was was a popular show. It still is a popular show, mm. um, but that that gains that show gains some traction in combination with the, the Star Trek question of the day. I started getting attention from other people. I started getting inappropriate direct messages. I started getting, um, well, and I would uh, block these people immediately. Thankfully the, the, the direct messages, it was easier to block. So you wouldn't see that stuff or anything like that. It was, um, I don't know. Uh, there was this. There was this joke. Uh, this is not a humble brag. I, I, I promise. This is not a humble brag. But there was this joke that went around, where I was called the ISS. It was stood for the International Sex Symbol. It was just a joke <laughs> on Trek FM. It was just one of those inside things that kind of got out of hand, and people started introducing me that way when I was guesting on shows. And for some reason, I think some people latched onto that, and they saw that as license to. Um, talk to me inappropriately. And I, of course, didn't stand for that and hated it, didn't like it, didn't engage with these people, didn't even say, don't do that. I just blocked them immediately. And then like that, that was probably that was probably the most inappropriate stuff on Twitter was were those two things. But even, like because, uh, be, on top of my visibility, when I started the Nerd Party Network, um, there was a one specific individual who actually uh, 
for some reason become obsessed with the network and um uh, they started uh calling my work uh they started um they found out my work email which is not available online they emailed me at, uh on every single email that i have because i have multiple ones and i don't know how they got them they started they they followed me on every social media outlet available like including linkedin and instagram and i made so many of them private because of this person and they would uh this person would rant online about how much they hated me and the network and then uh 15 minutes later they would talk about how they really just want to be a part of the nerd party and they think i'm a great guy and um i would get all these notes saying that I'm they they would say like listen I'm not stalking you but <laughs> as I get like 15 messages and phone calls at work and everything like that so um all of this was just being visible that's all it was yeah was just being visible and loving Star Trek and it's just so weird to say that out loud mm. and I, again I know that I've been talking for a long time but it's it's I've been harassed and berated online for um for trying to moderate a question of the day. I've been uh, sexually harassed in my DMs just because somebody thought it would be funny to call me the ISS. And I got uh, my personal space intruded at work and uh, and even in my family life. Um, this person would send me uh, emails on stuff that I thought was blocked. They would create new emails just to send me um, little notes like, reminding me that they are still there, that they're still around, that um, they know what's going on. Like, because if they, even though they log out of Twitter, they can still see what's going on. And they, uh, they would wish me like a happy, a, a Merry Christmas and a happy Thanksgiving and everything like that. And uh, just to remind me that they were there and that can get very grating. That can get very grating on the mind. And it makes you want to retract. It makes you want to leave. It makes you want to clam up and the entire reason why i'm on the on the a part of the internet community is because of star trek and thankfully right now the positives still far outweigh the negatives mm -hmm. yeah. it, it's funny um because i have a very different experience um but having having said all that i so i've probably been on twitter since well I I was on Twitter when it used to be like all over SMS. <laughs> like you you tweet you tweeted by texting. Um and um I have had a lot of Twitter accounts over that time and I've stopped and quit and started up again and I actually have a number of Twitter accounts now. My uh my online persona is very fractured and very um caged off. So maybe I'm lucky, but I think also I, I, I tend to play it now very, very defensively. And um, I've been very lucky that I've never had anything um, like what you've described, Tristan. Um, but then, you know, it raises the question is, did I, have I just been lucky or have I, have I just played it defensively that way and the way that things are going now? It's hard to say. Um... I, I had a, a a situation similar, uh, but maybe not as extreme uh, as Tristan's involving Twitter about a year and change into doing the, the original Tricorder Transmission show back in early 2014. I had never talked to this person 
before, um, but apparently they had listened to the show. And at the time, it was just me and my my partner Craig. We were doing commentary episode uh, for each of the original TOS episodes, and uh, this guy sent me a DM uh, asking to be on the show. He liked the show and he wanted to be on the show. And at the time, we didn't really have a format that allowed for guests. So, you know, I, I explained that to him that we really didn't do it that way. It was just me and, and Craig sitting down in front of a TV and watching an episode and talking about it. And we didn't really have a way to even dial anybody else in at the time. And um, he didn't really take it very well. And he started to get really belligerent over dms and you know i tried to stay as calm as i could and i figured you know it's, it's dms and whatever but not long after that he decided to take it to public twitter and start tagging me and tagging the show and claiming that we weren't allowing him on because we were racists and we were discriminating against him and i mean i had no idea what this guy who he even was or what his ethnicity was we never even talked about it so i i didn't know even know where this was coming from and i had no way I, I didn't even know how to defend against it, um, but it was all out in the public space. And, mm. you know, thankfully, a couple of my you know friends on Twitter at the time, other listeners chimed in to try to, you know, dissuade him from continuing saying those things. But he would start to attack them as well and, and call yeah. them racist. So now this, you know, our show and my Twitter handle are now being called racist in a public space. And I have no idea, you know, even what to do about it. And I... I was kind of panicking at the time because the show was still relatively new. And, you know, when you, you put things like that out into the public space, you, you don't know anybody can see that and you mm -hmm. don't know what people are going to believe and or if they're going to believe that, you know, your defense or they're going to believe the antagonist. And so it was really difficult. And only after several days of reporting the person or from several different people to Twitter did they finally stop it. But the tweets stayed there. Mm -hmm. for a long time i mean i i was i kept looking for them just to see if they were erased and they weren't erased for quite a while and i that was i you know that was probably two or three harassment policies ago for twitter so <laughs> yeah. I, I, they've revised yeah. it every year now i think but it was it was really stressful to to have those things said about you and i mean you know heather and i've known each other for a long time and i know a lot of my other friends know that i'm not but how do you even defend against something like that? Um, you know, when someone's calling you out in public for it. Yeah, but that's a lose lose. Well, hey, yeah. it's a no win scenario. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, because you can't. You if you engage with it, then mm -hmm. that's probably inviting more discussion. If you don't engage with it, then that can be misconstrued as um, complacency or even yep. agreement. Mm -hmm. it, there's there is no way for you to win and that's part of why harassment is such a problem yeah. it, it's not harassment is not even always um obviously harassment yeah but it's but it's like what tristan said there's you know somebody somebody sending you a message at christmas to say merry christmas is not it's not threatening or anything you know bad i I tell you what, I personally get lots and lots of cards at Christmas saying Merry Christmas. However, as a part of like a larger body of, of, of a larger pattern of behavior, then it becomes threatening to the person. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard to police that. 
I think that's the thing is that it's I'm, I'm so glad that you you said it that way is that if I went to the police and said this person sent me an email that said Merry Christmas what are you <laughs> gonna do laughed. about You'd it be laughed at. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing like you got to look at it from a larger picture you got to look at it uh, on a whole and you got to look at the intent behind that they're not really wishing me a Merry Christmas they're they're saying I'm still here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you haven't gotten rid of me and that person is probably listening to this podcast right now. This this um, person is pro this probably <laughs> listening. And if they are listening, I wish you no ill will. Um, I, I wish you a very happy life. And I, I hope you are content in what you're doing right now. And this is not uh, an, an admission for you to start contacting me again. This is I hope you're happy and I hope you're content with what you're doing. And uh, I appreciate uh, not contacting me recently. And uh, and and you also mentioned something before about engaging, about uh, disengaging mm -hmm. or not engaging. Um, that is one thing that has definitely helped me move forward uh, in my online experience because I I treated when I first started Twitter I treated it very much how I treated my life where if I didn't like something I would say so if I disagreed mm -hmm. with someone I would tell them I disagree with you and here's why and I am very outspoken in 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 real life in in offline world uh, I'm I'm very much. Um, outgoing and I I, uh, I uh, love a good argument and I love a good conversation. Uh, but on Twitter, I had to step away from that. Like even if I said, even if I just made a statement and, mm -hmm. and then somebody chimed in and was a little bit aggressive, I would just, I, today, I just absolutely ignore it. Way back then, I would say, who the hell do you think you are? And like my harassment has gone way down because of it. Now, I don't that's that's good personally for me. I don't know if that's good for everyone. I don't know if that's good for the overall um, environment on Twitter to not engage with with somebody who's being aggressive or being hurtful or harassing you. I'm not quite sure, but it has definitely helped me personally. It's it's helped me, too. And I've dealt I've, I've been in a, a similar place where, you know, I'm an engaging person. I like to communicate. And so I approached social media the same way. And if someone said something that, you know, they had a disagreement, I would respond and, you know, then it would be a whole conversation that ruined my day. Mm -hmm. um, along with having a podcast and then, as everyone on Shore Leave knows, myself and Jeff are administrators of the unofficial Star Trek Las yeah. Vegas group on Facebook. So I have felt a lot of pressure over the years to talk to people, to accept friend requests, follow people back because I should be a nice person. I should, I should be, um, welcoming to everyone because I'm an ambassador for a group or I'm an ambassador for my podcast. And that's had a very negative impact, um, on my mental health, quite honestly, because mm -hmm. then I am interacting with people that I don't actually want to interact with who at the end of the day are, are not adding anything positive to my life. Right. It, it wasn't up until really this last year that I kind of accepted, okay, what I need to do is just stop engaging unless it's with someone that I feel I'm, I'm going to have a constructive conversation with. Um, I've just, I've backed off. I don't respond to tweets that upset me or that are harassing. I mean, and, and that's the thing is this gray area of sometime, sometimes a tweet 
isn't necessarily confrontational or argumentative or negative or mm-hmm. really harassment. But if it's making me uncomfortable, I have to just, I have to decide, yeah. am I going to engage in this anymore? And that that's typically a no answer. So a lot of, a lot of the trepidation too has been from the fact that I see these, you know, I see these people, I see everyone at the the Las Vegas convention. So mm-hmm. I've become af- afraid to interact in a negative way because quite frankly, I have been threatened by people, um, people that I kick out of the group, you know, our, yes, our group is on a public website, but it's a closed group and it has rules. And if you don't want to abide by that rules, don't be in the group. Um, we have the right to set rules and the rules are basically don't be a jerk. <laughs> uh, there, you know, there are, rules. More, <laughs> there, there are more than that, but we try to create a positive, safe space where people can have constructive discussions, but mm-hmm. not where there's just going to be trolling and hate speech and stuff like that. And so typically when I remove someone from the group, it's because they've done that. They violated that rule. And what happens every time is that, so I'm the only woman moderator of the group. There are two other men who moderate. In almost every case, I get the I get the private message. I get the confrontation. Jeff has no idea. Jesse has no idea. I've even had to like go create another rule now that is you have to message all of us because it's it's always me being being attacked and to the point where I have to eventually block people. And in one case, someone was so aggressive that they have, they reached out to every other moderator, let me in, let me in. We're not letting the guy back in. I found out from a mutual friend of his that this person apparently was going to approach me at the convention and do what I don't know, but knowing his previous behavior, knowing what he said to me in the private message that was extremely aggressive, I am afraid that there could be some kind of physical altercation. I just, I don't know this person. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've, that fear is something that has also kept me from disengaging. It wasn't until this year that I realized. And when I thought about this last year, I was like, a lot of my friends will will say, you know, you're never alone. I I don't feel like I can even approach you because there's always (laughs) someone with you. And at the same time, I'm like, man, like, I just want to go to the vendor's room and walk around by myself for 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And, oh, well, you know, it's so difficult that I can't do that. But you know what? Right now, I'm actually extremely grateful that I always have someone with me because now I I feel I feel safe. I feel like I can disengage. I can block people mm-hmm. and I will be OK. I don't need to worry about a threat of confrontation because I, I'm not alone. It's That's a really good point, actually, that you that you bring up about um, worrying about repercussions, you know, in in the physical space. Because especially for all of us who do Star Trek podcasting, and I know we've all been to Star Trek Las Vegas, we all know. Well, the people who listen to us also all know that we are going to be there because we publicize it. We're covering it and we're reporting directly from there. Um, we're no longer anonymous faces on the internet. We yeah. now are people with bodies that live in the real world and anybody could come up to us 
in a public space or even in a private space when we're not anticipating it. Like if we're at the bar hanging out with our friends, somebody who's seen us online can just come up and start talking to you. That makes it a, a an extra special kind of layer of nervousness around putting yourself out there it does. on social media. We even had, I, I, think you were there Jeff with the person that followed us into the room were you at that or yes okay right so a couple years ago uh, several of us I think there were probably like six of us um we're on the elevator going to someone's room to get a beer and we get off the elevator and there's a a guy in a colorful colorful shirt I'll say that (laughs) followed like got off the elevator at the same time and and was following us and followed us right into the friend's room. Mm-hmm. And all of us were kind of like, who is who is this person? But nobody said anything. And we got the beer. We sat down. I think we were just casually talking. And we're all feeling really awkward. Like, what is going on? And I eventually got up to go over to get ice or something in the little area near the bathroom where essentially you cannot see me. And at that point, this guy got up and followed me and came up to me and he's like, oh, I'm this person from the group. So this guy recognized me with my friends who I think were all male. I don't remember if there was another woman with us or not, but I think um, there was one. One other. If I recall but, this correctly. Yeah. But the point is he recognized me. He followed us into a private room he waited until I was by myself and then came over to introduce himself, I guess. And why this, this was something normal to him is beyond me. Um, but at that point, I think it was Jeff that got up and came over. Yeah. I remember noticing that you had gotten up and then I remember a few seconds later, I looked over where he was sitting on the couch and I noticed that he was gone, but for some reason I didn't actually see him get up and like an alarm bell went off in my head and I, I got up and went around the corner to check and see. And then I saw him standing right next to you, talking to you. You were, I think you were getting ice out of the sink. I think we all left. And that that's part of the issue. Nobody, nobody confronted him. No one kicked him out. We just, we just left the room. And again, you know, that's, I, I, I can't fault anyone for what happened. Um, and obviously in a situation like that, he's not going to assault me or something with, you know, six other people in the room. But it's just an example of it, of something that's happened to me that, I mean, that it's, that's scary. And so when, when I go to public places, like I, I, I'm always a little bit afraid of going to STLV because if I find myself in some situation, like there's precedent for this Mm. happening now. And for, for me, because of that, that notoriety and visibility, like I, I need to have a bodyguard and that's, that's not some kind of like brag or anything. That's just a reality is that a lot of people know who I am. And apparently some of these people are unpredictable and, I thankfully have not had someone follow me down a hallway to my room or anything, but just something as simple as, as that happening is extremely fight frightening for me. If that can happen in a room with six of my friends, what would happen if I'm alone? Yeah. Part of the problem I think is that when you, when you're somebody who has an online presence, it's very easy for the person on the other end to 
misinterpret an online relationship that they have with you. And I mean relationship in the dictionary definition of the term um, as as more intimate than it is. And so it's very easy for that person to then misinterpret when they see you in real life and think you guys are friends, but actually you don't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. That applies to everybody, not just podcasters, you know? But I think it's, it has another layer with podcasting. Uh, You're absolutely right that it's not just with podcasters, but there's this weird other layer with specifically podcasters because there's this sense of ownership that certain fans and (laughs) listeners have over your own show mm-hmm. this was this was so weird that i was uh i was a part of a facebook group that which will remain nameless for about three days and people kept telling me to become a part of it become a part of it become a part of it and i said i was like i don't do facebook i just have facebook for a login there's i have no personal information on it i have no interest in facebook they're like just come on just be a part of this one group i was a part of it for three days and in those three days i got so many aggressive quote unquote suggestions on what to do with my show. And I would say something like, well, you know, we don't really do that on the show or we already did that or we addressed that here. And people would just get straight up irate if I said anything contrary to you're a genius, you should be on the show. Mm -hmm. And it was so utterly strange. And some of those people were at STLV (laughs) and you know, it's, uh, Heather, you know, like it was, um, it was never a situation. I think one big difference between you and me. And I think if I can generalize between, um, men and women in these situations is that when I'm at SDLV as a podcaster and as a, uh, um, as a person with an online presence, all that I worry about is an awkward situation. I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to have to interact with this person. But Heather, you know, like you and so many other women that I know, they fear for their safety when they walk into the room. Yeah. When they when they have to deal with like when that random person comes up who who was uh, aggressive to you to, on Twitter or Facebook or uh, because of a podcast, because of Star Trek, whatever. Like you said, you're like you hope that you never are in that lone hallway where someone follows you. Yeah. From me, I'm just kind of like, oh, just get away from me. Yeah. And that's a, that is a scary difference. It is. It is. And I'm, I'm grateful that I finally gotten to a place at least where I know that I have support. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's, that's also one of the reasons that I tend to go only to this convention. Um, I will not go to another convention without having someone there, whether it's my partner or friends. Um, I just, I don't want to go to spaces alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and Kenna, I don't know if you've dealt with anything similar um, with any confrontations like that, but no, I haven't. Um, and I again, I think that goes back to the fact that I I really behave defensively online, um, and I have done for a number of years. It's actually uh, like you guys know me as Kenna. Some other people, in fact, Heather, you now know me as Allison or Allie. Very, very few people. Up until um, six months ago, probably would even connect my real name with the with the name that I use on the podcast. And that was deliberate. Mm-hmm. That kind of comes from my gaming background where you just obscure who you are, yes. like at every turn. Absolutely. Um, and and I have well, I mentioned before, I have several Twitter accounts. 
And like when I want to tweet something, I stop and think, which account do I want to tweet that from? Which yeah. of me is is saying that one today? Um, so I that those are the kinds of things that that I do. Um, I, I actually wanted to ask a question, particularly for you, Heather, but um, also for for the two guys as well. You know, part of what we do in podcasting is. Um, you know, part of the practice of it is drawing people in and including people in our conversations. It's um, portraying ourselves as warm and friendly and, you know, inviting. Um, do you think that potentially contributes then to situations where you've had people being over familiar with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both Jeff and I, Jeff is just like me, except, you know, except he's a man. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> there I, are a uh, few differences. <laughs> yeah. Just a few. <laughs> yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're, we are both extremely compassionate people and we, I mean, we make that known and that's, that's part of our Facebook community and that's part of shore leave, um, is inclusion. And I think even last this last STOV or the one before Jeff was like, well, what if we do something where we just make it clear that if someone is feeling harassed or someone is having a problem, they can come to us. And I was like, you know, that's a really great idea, but I don't want that for mm -hmm. me. That's a, that's a huge amount of responsibility. It is. It's a really it, awesome it, thing to do, but yeah. it's a huge amount of responsibility. But it's, it is a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that there may also be some pushback because when people approach me and expect me to be, I mean, that, that is who I am. Like I am a loving, compassionate, caring person, but when I am uncomfortable, I turn into a different person. <laughs> and this, this stems largely from the fact that I was sexually abused as a child and I was sexually abused as a teenager. So if I am in a situation where I, I feel that threat, my threat ganglia raise, uh, <laughs> so I will, I will kind of go inward and I will not be exceedingly friendly. I, I may not be friendly at all and I will freeze up. There's also an element of the fact that I have fibromyalgia. So I tell this story all the time um, because Typically at STOV, I'm in pain the whole time. I got really lucky this year and I wasn't. But when I am in pain, like my whole body is on fire, basically. It's very uncomfortable. And so I do not seem like the happy chipper person I normally am to the point that people misunderstand that and mm. and misread me. So I sorry, Jeff. Sorry that I bring this up again. But like mm. you know, when I met Jeff, Jeff did not Jeff didn't think I liked him. Like he <laughs> And it was because it was Seriously, just because, yeah, it was just because I was in pain. Mm. So I feel like, you know, people listen to the podcast and I listen to podcasts. I listen to your podcast, Kenna, your Tristan. I mean, that's how we know each other. Mm. I listen to so many. So I get I, you know, sympathize with that feeling of knowing people, even mm -hmm. though we don't really know them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more prevalent on podcasts because of your, your listening to people. It's a different bond than it is with just sending a message back and forth on Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's very intimate. The, the whole audio yeah. thing, you know, people, pe people talking right in your ear. It's very intimate. You're absolutely it is. right. It is. 
Yeah, just to to, to respond to that, um, I think and building on Tristan's earlier point, something I was going to throw out there, too, is that, you know, we I think we as podcasters are also much more accessible to people who would actually want to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And it's so and easy. we want and we want that and we, we do we, we we invite feedback on a regular basis absolutely do I mean it's it's there's a there's a difference between you know a guy who does a, a talk show like say Chris Hardwick or uh, you know who do t- kind of podcasts but on TV that people mm-hmm. get into you can't just message him and have a conversation with him I think the fact that we uh, we invite it and we will actually engage in conversations uh, privately with people who listen to our shows does. Mm-hmm. Um, endear a certain, I, I guess, level of, I, I don't want to say intimacy, because that might not be the right word. But I think it, it makes people feel a lot more comfortable, necessarily with us than we might feel uh, with <laughs> them. I think one of the the yeah. most disturbing experiences I had uh, with someone who listens to Shore Leave, and uh, I'm actually a little nervous to even talk about this, because I'm, a, I think this person may actually still listen to the show. But um you know, as Heather said, we encourage people to reach out and talk to us and give us feedback. And this particular person did reach out to me after a shortly episode a while back and, you know, engage in some relatively casual conversations. Seemed quite innocuous to me, but I mean, they went on for a while. And one day I got home from work and there was a letter in my mailbox from this person that had found my home address and sent me a very strange piece of correspondence that kind of triggered something in my head because I, I, you know, it's not something where I talk about too much either. But um, when I was younger, I had a a mentally abusive stepfather. And uh, once he was gone out of my life, he would send random letters and voicemails and things just reminding me that he was still out there. And when I saw this thing, and I, I had no idea this person got my physical address, and it freaked me out. I was like, this is just crazy, bizarre. Mm. So I, I don't know what prompted them to do that, because nothing led me to believe that that would ever happen. It wasn't something that, you know, there were no telling signs that that was going to happen. But it was very awkward and very strange. But I think there's that familiarity and that the accessible nature of who we are, as opposed to you know, television people and musicians and whatnot Mm -hmm. that make people feel there's more of a easier to make a connection with us and easier to become friendly with us and maybe become too friendly or too familiar. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's a little bit of, of a, God, I really hate to use this phrase, but, um, you know, didn't you ask for it? Because you invited somebody to have a personal conversation with you. I mean, and and I, I realized that obviously, no, you did not ask for somebody to go and stalk you and find your home address and send you things. Um, but, you know, but we literally invite people to come and talk to us. But then, mm-hmm. then there's that whole gray area of what is actually harassment and what Mm -hmm. isn't you know I've had people in a public space uh, commenting on my looks or sending me you know direct messages you know with um, very familiar compliments Mm -hmm. that are compliments however I don't know you and it's like when you like you know when you like meet somebody like a family gathering and they're just like a little too chummy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it, it it gets into this kind of a gray area. But I think the key here is 
If you feel threatened or awkward or in some way harassed, then you are being harassed. And it's yeah. too, we, we have a tendency to go, well, that's not really harassment by my standards. Like he's not really doing anything wrong, but that that's not the point. It's no. It's the person who is on the receiving end of that, that really defines whether that's harassment or not. Yeah. And that's, that's something this gray area is, is a big problem. And it's really a catalyst for why I wanted to talk about the subject. Um, because it's primarily my women friends that, that come to me with these issues. Um, and it's, it's pretty much centered around Facebook. Uh, I, I do, I do get direct messages on Twitter on occasion from people. And those are for some reason, easier for me to ignore. I don't know if you can see when people read those messages, I've assumed that you, that you don't get, like, you can't tell if someone's read them or not, but I I have an easier time ignoring those than the messages on Facebook for some reason. But aside from just the interaction that we have as podcasters and that there's a, there's a familiarity for our listeners that we don't connect with because we're not, we're not listening to our listeners too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they, they're getting to know us over the course of our podcast careers. Yeah. Very and, true. and we, you know, we may interact with them here and there on social media, but we don't have that same connection to them. So there's an awkwardness there, but let's put us as podcasters aside and just talk about what happens on Facebook, especially with conventions, like I, I miss the days of my anonymity because when I first started going to STLV, yeah, I was on Facebook, but I wasn't really in any communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think after I went, I found the unofficial group and the official creation group and stuff like that. But over the years, Facebook also created the people you may know feature mm-hmm. yep which is that little bar and it's got your you know whatever your user picture of the moment is and then add friend and so typically around convention season that'll pop up and people they don't look at your profile and i know this now because it says specifically in my profile and it's a public you know everyone can see it I do not add people I don't know. If we have met, please send a message first. And mm-hmm. I still get requests. So what happens is that you're just in your timeline. That little bar pops up. Oh, this person likes Star Trek. Add friend, add friend, add friend. For a long time, I thought that this was only an issue with women, but mm. it's not. And <laughs> no. I, it does not matter what you look like. Um, it does not matter what gender you are. Everybody is excited to have more Star Trek friends, okay? And I can't fault anyone for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while, you know, before I got this confidence in in not at, uh, requesting approvals, I would add people. And the more people you add, the more often you pop up to yeah. others. Yeah, you start so, to have 18 mutual friends in common, and it just makes it much easier for that person to go, oh, we've got 18 mutual friends. We definitely should be friends. Yeah. So yeah. And then I would actually use that for a while. I was like, well, if we have 50 friends in common, I'm going to add this person. Mm-hmm. And I've left that little rule behind. Mm. Um, but so what happens then is that I've got And I'll be honest, the majority of the people requesting my friendship were men. Most of these people were lurkers. So I would add them and 
the majority would never comment and never even like any of my posts. And so, of course, Facebook has an algorithm where you don't see everything from everybody. Mm-hmm. But I would be like, well, who is this person? And mm-hmm. like, I would see their stuff and I'm like, we, they never interact with me. So why are they on my page? Like, if you're not engaging me in any way, what, what are you there for? Yeah. On occasion, I'll add someone and then they'll go through and like, like all of my pictures, which is just creepy. But then you, this happens with a few people where you get the the private messages. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, as we've discussed, like they're not harassed, harassful messages. It's just, hi, how are you? Oh, what's your favorite Star Trek series? Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with it, but it's their, their demanding time of you that you are not necessarily wanting to give. Right. And part of me asked the question, why didn't you ask me in public? Like if, what is it about DM that you want to accomplish? Does that, Mm. does that make sense? No, that's what makes it feel a little more creepy in my mind. So if you were to post on my Facebook wall and say, Hey, you know, what's your favorite Star Trek series? And then anybody could respond who has access to my wall. That's one thing, but it makes it feel like there's a, there's another ulterior motive when it's a DM out of nowhere with innocuous stuff like that from someone Mm -hmm. you don't know. It's, it's difficult. And I have felt quite honestly, a lot of guilt in the past because I feel like I am expected to engage or I should be engaging or I'm being too wary of people. But at the same time, and this is something that I can't send everyone out there a message. And on occasion, I'll write on my, my, you know, my profile so that everyone can see it. Look, I don't enjoy having conversations and private messages. I do that with a very select few people. I don't even have like, I don't even talk to my partner all day. You know, I, I, I don't have time to do that. And I'm just, I don't engage socially that way. But the people messaging me don't know that. Yeah. And they don't know about the harassment that I've dealt with my entire life that has, has led to me feeling uncomfortable. And there was, there's been a lot of drama in the world recently around sexual harassment, harassment mm-hmm. in general. Um, and I think something happened on Facebook the other day with uh, a female, a woman friend of mine posted something and I chimed in and then this, this guy comes and he's like, well, I don't fault you for feeling this way, but it also works against meeting new friends. And oh, I read that. Yeah. Like maybe mm-hmm. you should, and I, you know, I, I apologize for being critical of this. I'm just bringing it up so that I can help people understand. His suggestion was that you message those people privately and ask them, well, why are you engaging with me? Like, why do you want to be my friend and stuff like that? I don't want to do that. No. And you're like, not required to do that. You shouldn't have to do that. It's your pers- it's your space that they are coming into. It is. And I I I don't know how we can get that message across to people because I don't want to offend everyone I come across mm. um by them thinking that I don't like you, I don't ever want to talk to you or but- I'm a really awful person or something like that. But don't you think this is this kind of is starting to fall into the category of 
etiquette. So in the grand scheme of things, the internet and social media in particular is is really in, still in its infancy. And there's a whole, I mean, we as a society are still trying to figure out what all those rules are. I mean, I would never dream of DMing someone unless there was an ongoing conversation or if they had said, um, you know, I'm looking for audio editors, DM me or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You just, yeah. you, it, me, the way that I conduct myself online, I would never dream. It would be like what, just walking into someone's house that lives down the street. Um, but you know, these rules are not yet well-defined. Um, I don't necessarily, I mean, I still don't think there's any, excuse me. I still don't think there's any excuse. However, I think a lot of it is having conversations like this so that people who don't see anything wrong with sliding into your DMS, um, that they understand it's, it's actually not okay. That would, that would be like walking up to someone at a restaurant and eating off their plate. Like you wouldn't do that, but these are, these are well-established societal rules that we don't yet have for social media. Yeah. It's, yeah, I never DM anybody I don't know. And there are like, there, that's just, I I think that's pretty simple. I mean, I I don't Mm -hmm. DM buddy, DM buddy. I don't know. And if, if I am DMing someone, I don't know, it's because we talked about it in the timeline for like Heather, you talked about in an audio editor, like, Hey, DM me. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Or like, Oh, you know, like, um, I'm looking for a new show idea or, or something to Mm -hmm. that effect. There has to be an invitation. Like now I'll DM people. I, I know all the time because I know them and we've developed a rapport (laughs) either in real life or online. It's, but the people who just chime in and know or say, Hey, how are you? What's going on? What's your favorite color? No, that's creepy. Just go yeah, away. Just like, don't. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why didn't you ask me that in the timeline? And also, like, um, if like, I feel like people need to ask themselves: if I can't ask this, if I don't know this person, and I can't ask this question in the public view, should I really be asking them this question in DM? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really difficult thing, and it's it's not just. You know, it's casual conversation. It's aggressive confrontation. Like I've experienced as an administrator of the group, um, and sexual harassment. It all happens via this PM, and -hmm. the difficulty on Facebook. Like at this point, um, I went to try to figure out how to turn off um, the ability to add me as a friend, Mm -hmm. and there's no option. Like you can only you can have everyone be able to add you or you can have friends of friends be able to add you. Yeah. Right. So Which, <laughs> it doesn't really help much too everybody. Much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've some of you, I've got, you know, a hundred something friends in common. So that mm-hmm. doesn't really help. So I just, <laughs> you know, again, unless I actually know the person, I, I just delete those requests. Um, oh, but the, 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 the pressure and the temptation to just be like, Okay, I I have a very lengthy list of friend requests because they give you the option to either confirm or delete. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say no. I just want it to go away. I don't really want to de- deleting it. Seems kind. I should just be deleting it. But I feel like that's really rude, especially yeah. when I can tell there's somebody. I mean, I had one recently, who's a 
a, a like a step relative. So somebody who's a close relative of somebody who's kind of a close relative to me, but I don't know that person. And I kind of really feel like I should be obligated, but I don't know that person. Yeah. So I just kind of let it linger there. And then I have this list of all these people that I don't know that I can't bear to delete. Um, I have the same problem. <laughs> I have 52 in my box right now. And the vast majority of them are people who listen. I have, I'm involved in another podcast that has nothing to do with Star Trek. And the majority of the people that are on my list are just people who listen to that podcast and participate in that group and just send. And I don't know them from anywhere. They just mm -hmm. send me friend requests. And, and like Heather said earlier she you know used to be very liberal about who and i used to be very liberal about who i accepted i'm like oh this person is obviously in that group i'll have i'll add them to my my list and it just got a little bit too overwhelming and too weird to have that many lurkers uh seeing my own personal stuff and i, I even went as far as to try to set up you know groups to you know acquaintance groups and all that stuff and add people yeah. in different groups to limit their access and even that mm -hmm. got to be such a bear i'm like why am i doing this why if you're high, like if you're restricting their access why are you even exactly. adding them exactly and again right. it's like we need to stop putting pressure on ourselves to do this like don't your your discomfort should not be behind their comfort mm -hmm. exactly um, you're, you're I, not obligated to make the, that other person who is I, I can't think of the right word um, because they're not actually assaulting or harassing you just to send you a, a, a friend request. But that person yeah. who's who's presenting themselves to you, you're not responsible for their emotional well-being. No. You're responsible hey, for you. your own. Yes. Thank, thank you so much <laughs> um, for saying that. Yeah. And so and, but it's really hard as a you know, you're raised to be an empathetic person to kind of think about others feelings. And but then you just take that to the ridiculous extreme this stranger that i don't know from nowhere um i'm sorry i do not care what they feel and that's yeah. a really harsh thing to say and i feel i feel terrible saying it out loud but it's true i don't care how they feel i don't even know who they are well and unfortunately there's a reality here especially like within a community like the stlv community where mm. Even some of the people that I do know and I do care about and I consider friends disappear. Like mm. the, they disappear off of social media. And we're like, what? What happened? Where did this person go? And so I have found myself just like with my own business. You know, I am a I'm a pet care professional. So I take care of animals for a living. And, you know, I. I animals die at a, at extreme rates in my business. I lose them all the time. So I've had to kind of learn how to compartmentalize my emotions mm. in, in dealing with that. And I've, I've had to start extending that same, I don't know, the way that I, that I handle social media friendships, because there are people who I will maybe have been friends with for two years and, for whatever reason, they're they're no longer there. They've deleted all of their social media, which is their right to do. Mm. Um, but there was no warning. We don't know what happened. And Traumatic, actually. It is. I felt a tremendous sense of loss when that happened to one of the friends that I had. So yeah. Well, and you know, it's different for everyone. I don't I don't feel that way because I've had to learn how to compartmentalize my emotions. Uh, if it was someone like you, Jeff, that that happened, it would probably be much it would probably be traumatic but it's just 
it's difficult even, even with people who we think we know, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, we, you don't really, really know people. And yeah, but it's, and it's particularly bad with something like STLV because for that one week, every year, everyone is a best friend. Yeah. Yes. You're walking through the halls, um, you know, the convention hall, and y- y- you can usually strike up a conversation with anybody because we're all there under the same, you know, pretense. We're all there to celebrate Star Trek. Th- that's not the 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 flood of friend requests that you get the, the the couple of weeks after the con when everyone's like um you know the post con depression and they're just friending everyone they can find trying to make it last longer but there mm-hmm. are people that I probably did meet but that I don't actually know and I won't friend them and I feel a tremendous amount of guilt for that because for that week we probably were best friends mm-hmm. but it was kind of superficial and and part of the whole con atmosphere yeah, and that's that's really the point is that you know we're we're there in person and we're connecting and and we are bonding and and then we're gone for a year and a lot of us keep in touch year round and that's why Facebook is a really great thing and Twitter is a really great thing because you know thank thankfully I can keep in touch with Tristan because of Twitter. Okay. Um but but in the long run I mean I know hundreds of people from the Star Trek convention, few of those people are are tried and true, you know, f- friends that that I will have in my life forever. Mm. And a lot of people are I still consider them all friends, but if they disappear off social media in six months, then they're you know that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like that, I don't necessarily feel like we should force ourselves to to have relationships with, um, or to have a social media connection with. And it's, it's really a struggle because, you know, we all are friends in that respect, but our social media is our, our private place. One thing that I've really noticed about my social media presence, presence and people wanting to follow me and, and, uh, and interacting with me, whether because of the show or just because of what I've said online, Twitter, I, I have open to all. I accept that anyone is going to read it and you can follow me if you want. I don't necessarily follow you back. Yeah. Uh, it's not an automatic thing, especially if you say, hey, follow me back. I probably really no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. That's a definite turn off. <laughs> if you want to interact with me or say something funny, then yeah, I probably will follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't have a Facebook because I just think, and I hate using this word because I think it's so overused. Uh, it's problematic. I just don't like using it for non-corporate means. Like I run the nerd party, um, Facebook page, but that's it. Like, cause it's just too many crazy things happen on Facebook. Like the stuff that you guys are describing. Um, and like I, the day I graduated college is the day that I canceled my Facebook. I deactivated it, erased it, uh, because I only used it for school and I've never looked back. And my Instagram is my private place. That is, that is, that is private. It's locked down. And I only let a few people follow me and I get a lot of requests there, a lot of requests because I it's, I'm the insane Robin on Instagram. I'm the insane Robin on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter and you search for me on Instagram, it's easy to find me and I decline like crazy. And uh, sometimes it's people I recognize. Sometimes it's not, but I have no remorse and I sleep well that night because I don't know you that well. We're just cause you follow me on Twitter. doesn't mean I'm going to let you see pictures of my baby or yeah. my wife 
you know, and it's just like, that's just for me and just a few select people. And it's, um, I think we just need to get to a place where we recognize some places are public, some places are private, mm -hmm. and it is up to us on deciding who enters them and who doesn't. And we engage when it's worth it. And we don't engage when we know it's not going to be. It comes back to anonymity and the fact that at this point, I'm kind of at a loss because I publish podcasts with my first and last name. So I ask people in the podcast not, you know, not to add me on Facebook. I'm not I'm not going to add you like don't just don't because my Facebook, I have pictures. I don't have children, but I have post pictures of my house. Um, there's connections to my business, et cetera. And so what happened on Twitter, like I said, had nothing to do with STLV, but this was back when my Twitter name was was my full name and it had my location. And if you follow me on Twitter, you can figure out where I live. And I talk about it in the podcast. But this was someone that I didn't even didn't know at all that lived in Colorado. And frankly, this happened several years ago. So I don't remember even the context of of the private messages just that it made me feel very uncomfortable that that person was also in Colorado. And I think they were asking something about relation to my location or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that really freaked me out. So at that point, that's when I decided, all right, well, I'm taking my location out of Twitter. So now I live on RISA. Um, and nice, then nice I, <laughs> I know I'm like, that's the place for me. And then I, changed my presented name so that the, what appears to be a last name is a different name. Right. And at this point, I'm even considering doing that on Facebook mm -hmm. um, just to kind of start to preserve what anonymity I could have. Yep. I can't go back and, you know, edit all these podcasts that say my full name or anything, yeah. but because of these experiences that I've talked about and I haven't even, I haven't even touched the, the actual sexual harassment I've received in, in private messages. Um, I, there's, there's so much there. I don't even know where to start, but, but that happens and all these things combined have just made me become more, more reclusive mm -hmm. to those, those social interactions and more defensive and protective of my privacy. And Tristan, were I in your shoes, um, if, you know, if I had children, it would just be even more, I'd be even more protective. It's a minefield yeah, it's, uh... that, especially when you've got kids, um, I know people who are like mommy bloggers that their kids are all over the internet. That makes me really uncomfortable. I actually, cause I used to have, you know, pictures of my kids in my, you know, Facebook, uh, avatar or like my cover photo. I've taken all that out even. Um, I, it, it's funny Heather that you, you say that you're sort of working to anonymize yourself. And I'm actually in the process of doing exactly the opposite thing because, um, so for the last, almost a year now I've been doing freelance audio work, voiceover, um, a podcast production, that sort of thing. And because I'm doing that in a professional capacity with my own name, the work that I do with uh, priority one, for instance, is, is a very important part of my resume. So mm -hmm. I'm starting to like 
un-anonymize myself, um, <laughs> that there's more and more people. So at STLV this year, majority of the time I introduced myself as Allison and I go by Kenna on priority one. Yeah. Um, it was, that was very confusing. <laughs> for a lot of people. That's like when I met you a couple years ago, and then I like confessed, yeah. like I didn't know what your name was, so I couldn't introduce you. Yeah, um, it's confusing. Um, and I am take I I take baby steps into that space because on the one hand it benefits me professionally, but on the other hand I realize that having that open. Um, it, it opens me up to a lot more attention on what I consider to be my private accounts. Um, it, it's constantly in the forefront of my mind. I, I, I do sometimes also consider creating another Twitter. I mean, that's it, daunting because we have Twitters for all of the shows. So yes. even thinking of having an additional, uh, you know, private Twitter is, is a task that I don't know what it, don't know if I want to take on task, Heather, but, um, you know, the, the reality is that I've, you know, I've also started, um, kind of tailoring my tweets a certain way. Uh, at this point I tweet pretty much exclusively about Star Trek Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I do still get comments where it's just someone being a jerk, um, someone disagreeing to disagree, someone who is just a flat out troll that has no association with Star Trek whatsoever. And for me, it's, it's, it's almost an exercise in, in practicing this, this self-control of not responding, not engaging in conversation that isn't beneficial, um, that I'm not going to get anything out of and that isn't constructive. So in that sense, it's, it's good for me because I need practice. I need practice in that. And that's just, honestly, that's just, that's general good self care, uh, which is something that you don't tend to think about. And some people like, they're like, Oh, uh, talking about self care. Oh, that's so lame. It's actually really, really important. Um, yeah. And, and it goes on social media as in real life, you should not be surrounding yourself on social media with people that stress you out or um, things that make you feel harassed or uh, uncomfortable. That That is not what social media is there for. Now, you know, you want to try and avoid if you can. Um, what's the word? Uh, uh, an echo chamber. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you get all your news from Facebook, you want to try and incorporate a couple different views. But largely yes. <laughs> speaking, you should feel safe on your Facebook. You should feel safe on your Twitter. And part of how do you do that is um, not engaging, is by uh, unfollowing, blocking people or, you know, all, all of those things. It's your space to to monitor and you should do it how you see fit and what works best for you. I think that leads us right into uh, the final segment of this show, which is talking about how we can prevent harassment and and whether that's even possible. I think that there are steps we can take, and we've discussed several, just like mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, I know that for me, again, it's just I, I have to continually practice restraining from engaging when it's not going to benefit me, um, and and. And blocking people when the, when when that happens too, I especially with the group and you know when people are unhappy with certain choices that we make and I had something happen not long ago that was the most minor thing. Like I had to close comments 
because we had a lot of people commenting on discovery related content. Yep. And unfortunately there were people either posting spoilers or just bitching about CBS all access, which like we're over it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, we've been doing that for like literally years now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we're moving on. Not any of that. So it was, I something like 1130 at night and I was like, all right, I'm going to close this down for now. I didn't delete any posts. I went through pretty much everyone and left a comment explaining what was happening. I missed one. And I, I woke up to, again, a private message that was confrontational. And I waited for a while to reply because I was like, this is just the person's post had really it, it had like one like. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something that people were having a conversation right. in. I remember this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't something that was really all that relevant. And I was just flabbergasted that this person was being confrontational about something so insignificant. And perhaps it was not insignificant to him. I I responded. I explained what happened. I said it was late. I was uh, I was only going to get five hours of sleep, so I had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, obviously it was clear in every other post what was happening. So yeah. unfortunately, we missed yours. And he just continued to be confrontational. And at, eventually, we wound up deleting all those posts because we were restructuring what we were doing with Discovery. Right. And then he got upset about that. And I was like, at this point, I would prefer if you take this discussion to another moderator mm-hmm. because I was done. He was not being respectful for me. And this is someone that I have met in person, that I had had conversations via private message before, yeah. um, that I would consider you know, a, an acquaintance-level friend. And... I just had to put my foot down and say, look, you are making me uncomfortable. I do not want to have this conversation go somewhere, you know, go to another admin. And he would not do that. And so Mm -hmm. and then he said something that was just offensive. And at that point, I was like, all right, I am removing you from the group. And I did. Yeah, I did that. And I blocked that person. And so in situations like that, the block tool is your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think you did exactly the right thing in that situation. I mean, there's a there's a difference between your role as an administrator of a group like that, because I think as, a, as an administrator, you have a responsibility to take a certain level of care when uh, someone has a grievance. Mm-hmm, uh, whereas yeah. if it was just you as a person, <laughs> I would have recommended the block go straight on yeah. but yeah. but but you know you did your due diligence and you attempted to defuse the situation and it didn't work so yeah. you know you did the right thing in that situation and that's that's kind of where you have to try and go with it you do i mean it's and it's it's a different situation because it's you know a group and an admin like you said mm-hmm. so you know that's how you might handle something one way most of the time we don't have issues but with these experiences I have, and it's it's typically men that are messaging me and being confrontational, and then, you know, I try to handle it. They don't like the answer. Then they get more aggressive, and then I'm just done. Like, I, I will only tolerate so much. If we're not getting anywhere, then, then, then we're done there. Mm-hmm. Um, but something else that has, that has come up that we've talked about here are, like, these gray area messages – and the mm-hmm. not so great area. I mean, there there are a lot of women friends in my circle that that talk about this harassment and whether it's a conversation or it's a conversation that turns flirtatious on the you know other 
the person messaging them mm-hmm. starts to do that. Um, and then, you know, we feel stuck. Mm-hmm. And I think that these feelings that I feel about, you know, the fear of what may happen when you see a person at a convention yep. or, or fear that is just, you know, in your, your brain's wiring because of past experiences, a lot of women feel fear towards men um, in these circumstances. And so we don't know what to do. And yeah. like on one hand, I, I want to tell women that it is okay it is okay to just shut it down. It's okay to just not say anything and block yep. a person and move on. Yep. Um, it is also okay to say, I do not want to engage with you. You know, this conversation makes me uncomfortable. You shouldn't talk to women this way. Whatever you feel, like if you want to say something like that, you can say that. And yeah. then you you don't have to wait for them to respond either. Yeah. Um, I think that we really have to do what we can, you know, to to expand this conversation and to make people aware of the stuff that we've talked about and how those kinds of interactions make people feel. Well, I think you, you've hit on a lot of things that people can do uh, for themselves to protect themselves in an uncomfortable situation. Um, I think there's a couple of things that we all should start doing um, to start preventing it from happening in the first place. And, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is number one, talking about it to educate people, um, especially talking about these gray areas, because it, it's very easy for somebody to not even realize that they're harassing you or making you feel uncomfortable because they just don't realize Mm-hmm. So having a conversation and acknowledging that these things are going on might make someone stop and think, hmm, um, is that actually a little too familiar? Um, and then the other thing that we should also be doing is practicing looking after each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there's a thing going around uh, with, again, the Me Too uh, campaign on social media uh, mm-hmm. for men to speak up when they see instances of harassment, particularly sexual harassment towards women, I'm talking about right now, um, to say, hey, that's not cool. And we should all be doing that in our communities to say, if you witness somebody who's going a little off the rails, and obviously this is only in the public space, not in DMs, um, you should speak up and say, that's not okay. Yeah, it's it's important to do so. And I mean, I there are situations... Uh, as an example, I'll just I'll just talk about this. Um, last year at STLV, uh, we were over at Danny Schwartz's booth um, for Shop LLAP, and we were standing there like waiting to talk to her. And I noticed a man also waiting to engage with her, and her boyfriend was at the table. And like the moment that her boyfriend left. This man came over, got her attention, started talking to her. I could tell she was uncomfortable, but you know, I don't want to interrupt her, her interactions with customers. So I kind of stayed back. Then he touched her arm and then I got really upset, but I still didn't do anything because, Mm. you know, I just didn't do anything. And after that person left, I went up to Danny and I was like, you know, tell me about that person. Who was that? You seemed uncomfortable. And so, yes, it was someone that, that has been harassing her and that waited for her boyfriend to be gone to approach her. And, I regret the fact that I did not stand up 
um, in that situation because I could have done that. I yeah, could've... but also by the same account, um, you know, not everyone feels safe doing that. Yeah, and, that's why I didn't. <laughs> and you have to try not to be hard on yourself in that situation. I mean, you know, because ultimately it's not your fault that any of that happened. Uh, if yeah. you feel comfortable and you can say something, then absolutely get in there. But if you are also because, you know, there's always the threat that he could have then turned his attention on you. Yeah. And, you know, that is the thing that every woman fears if you're stepping in on something. And that's that that's the bystander syndrome, whether it's somebody being actually assaulted on the street or whether it's somebody in a just a uncomfortable gray area situation in a convention hall. Yeah. And and I mean, that's exactly what happened and why I didn't do anything at the same time, I feel like, and this is speaking for me only, this is not implying that anyone else should, should do the same, but I feel like I need to challenge myself to speak up more often and to take action when, when I see something wrong. I, it's just, it's something that, that I want to do. And, and just like we're encouraging, you know, men to to call out other men when they see something. Mm. I think, I think that the more we do that when we can, that hopefully that will be a proactive way to at least stop some things from happening. Um, at, at the end of the day, when you're in a situation like, like STLV, they do have security. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the nice thing is that, and you know, the person who threatened to confront me, I passed on the message that if that happens, I will call security right away. And so you do have, you know, that advantage there. That's not something that occurs in everyday life yeah. that we can deal with, but it's, you know, along with this Me Too campaign, I've seen a lot of men recognizing that they could do better. And and that's been a meaningful thing to see. And I think that we as women can can do better to protect each other as well, where we feel comfortable doing so. Mm -hmm. And I really hate to even propose this idea, and I'm just putting it out there so that people will realize that this is a thing. There are there are individuals who harass multiple women, and we know about it, and we don't always communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And I've had several women approach me and say, "We need to have a list." And mm -hmm. I, I I laugh because it's just it's a a very, it's like a burn book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not, it's not, you know, a public calling out of, mm. of these people, so to speak, but just a, a preventative measure that helps us be aware of people who are a problem. Mm. And when that, when that happens, there are consequences. And I have seen that recently, the more that we speak out and talk about the people that harass us, um, that are within our circles, Mm -hmm. it, it does produce results in a way it, it, pro mm -hmm. it produces awareness and it's making everyone aware, not just other women. Yeah. So in these cases, I think that communication, uh, is key. Yeah. Communication and, and keeping conversations going, um, talking, I mean, what we're doing today, I would like to think is kind of important as opposed as, as, as a way to, get the idea into the forefront of people's minds so that we are, we all are kind of going, let's 
let's be kinder to each other. Let's be aware of our own behavior and how it impacts other people. And okay, while I am not responsible for your emotional well-being, Heather, um, I I should acknowledge that there are behaviors maybe that I would do that you would consider um, harassment and I need to not do those, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, did you have any, anything you wanted to add? Well, yeah, there, you know, as, as Kenna was saying before, I think it's really important to keep having conversations like this openly and publicly and for, for men, of course, to be part of those dialogues and to participate yes. in those conversations and, you know, truly listen and understand um, what's what's being said. Um, and it's it's something that we should all be speaking up a lot more and discouraging. You know, but as as both you and Tristan sort of demonstrated, um, it, it isn't just, you know, men you know, True. harassing women. Uh, yeah. it, there, there are instances I'm sure where women are harassing men or men are harassing men and it, it goes True. all the ways and yeah. that behavior can, can cross any of the genders. So we just need to all be aware of that in all the cases. Yeah. I don't want to diminish anyone's experiences because they're, they're all valid. And the cosplay episode I referred to at the beginning of of this episode, um, we talked to Eric Allen Hall about some of the, the physical sexual harassment Mm -hmm. he's experienced (laughs) in costume. So it does happen to everyone. I will say there's happened to me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's when it comes to, even, you know, whether it's, you know, in-person physical harassment or online harassment, it happens to everybody. I tend to talk about what happens with women because I am a woman and I hear the stories from other women. I think that ultimately it, it really plays plays into our, our social etiquette. And Ultimately, it's I wish these were all things that we were taught and we should know and and know about interacting with others. Mm. Um, But as we've said earlier, like there there's just kind of a gray area with with Facebook and how that all works. And, and, you know, even though we've been on the Internet for some time now, it's just it's still not entirely clear. So I hope that tonight's episode has provided some clarity for people Mm has has brought some of these issues to light uh we certainly invite feedback via the the shoreleave page on facebook or our shoreleave handle on twitter uh or emails to what's our what's our email jeff <laughs> well we have individual emails so i don't know if we want to get we don't have a shoreleave email or no, we're in general oh gosh okay well you can find us and uh, we, we'd love to hear more. Um, and I'm open to doing, I'm open to having more discussions, um, with anyone who wants to talk about this subject, because, uh, there's, there's more there that can be said. I think we've done a pretty great job of doing it tonight. Um, was there any final statements you guys wanted to make before we close? I think that the subject of harassment um, can turn a lot of people off. When you Mm. say we're going to talk about harassment today, they can kind of shut down and roll their eyes and, you know, think you're blowing things out of proportion. Um, And I hope that doesn't happen with anybody listening to this episode, because it is important for us when we live in a society um, to kind of take into account other people's um, concerns and ultimately by having a conversation about harassment, 
especially in an online space, we're helping to start set those etiquette rules that are kind of missing from social media. Mm-hmm. You know, in a hundred years from now, maybe this will all be like, totes obvious. Like they'll look back <laughs> at like all these things that are going on on Twitter and stuff where they're having trouble blocking like high profile harassers and things like that. In a hundred years time, they're going to be like, God, I can't believe they were so like, I mean, it's like practically the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of why we have the conversation to start establishing, okay, this is okay. That's not okay. This um, makes people feel uncomfortable. That is actually a compliment. So I, I hope, well, and, and, and anybody who's actually listening to this, I would encourage you like Heather did, um, to keep that conversation going, you know, uh, right into the show and, and talk about it on social media where it's going on mm-hmm. a, and just kind of keep it going. Yeah. Jeff, any final words? No, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how to say what I want to say. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it some more, but it's, it's, I'm not sure if I can present what I want to present in the proper context and the proper language. So I think, um, uh, I think I'll just not try <laughs> for fear of, uh, for fear of misrepresenting what I want to say. So uh, I'll pass Watch out the for the supplemental. Uh, yeah. in, a, in a week's time after this show. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I certainly understand that. I mean, it, again, you know, the subject is just, it's so big and so heavy and I have wanted to talk about it for, for so long. And then we've had, or at least I've had so many women come up to me and say, please talk about this because I don't know what to do. And the, the pressure there uh, to to be an ambassador about the subject um, was a lot, but I think that we've I think that we've had a really great conversation, and you know I, again it's like the things that we didn't cover or that you you want us to talk about more like that's what I want to know. I don't need to. I mean, it's great to get oh it was a great episode, but. I I really want to help be that voice. Like that is the one thing that I can do. Mm. And, and I am comfortable talking about it now, even though it's daunting. And even though I also sometimes feel like I, I'm not going to have the words or I'm not going to say something the right way. I struggle with that all the time with podcasting, (laughs) but yeah, any, any, any feedback to keep the conversation going, I think would be great. So I think that's about it. What do you think, guys? Yeah. I, I think we've done it about to death for today. <laughs> I'll be curious right. to see what, what people's feedback is, what people think, um, you know, which obvious bits of information we completely left out or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm worried it will be there. Well, as Jeff is the professional with leading us out, I'm going to hand it over to him. Why don't you take it from here? Oh, all right. Well, we... Did not mention our Patreon page on this episode yet, so I'll quickly throw that out there. We do have one. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions or by visiting our website, the thetricordertransmissions.com or shoreleavepodcast.com and clicking the big Patreon link on the right-hand side. So if you like what we do here on Shoreleave or any of our other Tricorder Transmission shows, please think about supporting us. And if you do decide to support our show at any level, it doesn't matter how much you contribute, you will get early access to our unedited recordings, which including um, a lot of extra bonus material sometimes before, but mostly after our shows officially end, there'll be a lot of extra bonus content. So you'll get access to those immediately after we're done recording them, no matter how much you contribute. So 
please consider it. And again, if you're looking for us, you can find us at the tricordertransmissions.com and shoreleavepodcast.com. We're also on at shoreleave on Twitter and at tricorder show on Twitter. I am Warp Factor Jeff. And uh, so, Tristan, where can people find you online if they're looking to have a talk with you? Well, you can find me at the Insane Robin. That's pretty much my username everywhere uh, on Twitter and online and everything like that. And uh, you can find the Nerd Party at thenerdparty.com. Uh, we have a lot of great shows for everyone to check out. We got Star Trek shows, Star Wars shows, general geek shows, and uh, I, we have two of my personal shows on there. One called Punch It, where it's about writing in Star Trek, and we have uh, a show that I host with my wife called Nerd Nuptial, where we look at nerd life through a married lens. And I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and I've been looking forward to podcasting with all of you for a very long time. Thank you so much for being here. And I can vouch for all of the podcasts on your network because I listen to them. So everybody should uh, follow suit and listen along. Kenna, where can people find you if they'd like to continue the conversation? Uh, well, I'm one of the hosts of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And you can find us at PriorityOnePodcast.com. All the links for our Twitter and Facebook page are on there. But generally speaking, we're either Priority One Podcast or Priority One Pod pretty much uh, anywhere uh, you can find us. Uh, Twitter, my personal Twitter is at AdAstra1930. So um, good luck finding that one. Um, I, <laughs> uh, If I don't know you, I will refuse any friend requests on Facebook just to lay that out there. But um, I, I do welcome anybody on my on my Twitter feed. So please come and join me and uh, and, and send me a tweet. But yeah, uh, go and listen to Priority One. And in fact, the other shows on the Roddenberry Podcast Network as well, including Mission Log and Women at Warp. All right. Heather, how about you? Here, here, by the way, I'm a fan of all those podcasts, uh, <laughs> all great content, some of the best Star Trek content out there. Um, so I am LLA Posper on Twitter and just a quick plug for our Disco Trek show, which is Disco underscore Trek on Twitter. We're talking about Star Trek Discovery. It is a community based podcast. So we invi invite people from the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas group to join. Um so go find that, listen, and find out how to win a chance to pop onto the show. And then, of course, I am one of the administrators of that group, and you will find me there. All right. I am also one of the administrators of the group, along with Heather and Jesse Akendo. So hopefully we'll see some of you there. And, of course, we hope we see you guys again on the next Shore Leave. Thanks again for listening.